0: knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Father, I pray you'd take this word this morning, spoken out of your own mouth. God in the flesh hand-delivered these words. You knew there'd come times. You knew there'd come anxieties. You knew everything that would take place in this world. You knew we'd need help. And you gave us these instructions written in red. You had them recorded in the different Gospels. But here in Matthew, you had a full recording, a long recording given. And we're to take these things, God, I pray right now. Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us in this place. God, I pray you'd move on your people. Lord, I pray you would break some chains today. I I pray that today would be a jailbreak for some folks, that some doors would swing open wide and some people would be set free from the things that bind them. God, I'm amazed the way you put songs together when you put things in a message, God, and how you tie it all in. Father, and I pray now for your people. God, I ask you, would you move in this place? I pray you'd speak to each person in this place individually, God. Give each of us something that when we walk out of this door, we'd be a better servant than we were when we came in. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. So out in the foyer of the church, over on this side out here, we have the Lord's answer to how to deal with worrying. Matthew six thirty three is posted right over in the foyer of the church. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That means if we focus on the word of God, If we focus on the things of God, if we focus on our spiritual life rather than on the materialistic stuff, then God himself will take care of the materialistic stuff. But Jesus gives us a whole lot more in this passage than this, just that. In verse number 27, he says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? So by taking thought here, that means to worry about something, to be anxious, to put a lot of thought, to worry, to to be consumed with your thought process that you're thinking about. And if you look at it just a glance, you think he's talking about height because he talks about stature in in one cubit. A cubit is about 18 inches. It's the length of a man's forearm. That was a measurement that they used in that day. And and so when you see the word stature, you would think that he's talking about height. But if you look at the Greek word to what Jesus used right here, he's also talking about age. He's mainly in this particular passage, which of you can add to your age or which of you can add to your maturity. So he's asking this question, which one of you is going to live any longer by worrying about your situation? How many of you would agree that the world that we live in today gives us plenty of stuff to worry about? The world gives us plenty of ammunition, if you will. It gives us plenty of obstacles, plenty of things to do. And here we are worrying about things, certainly within our own lives. I ask you, how many of you would go back and change some things if you could? And many of us would. We would go back, but we can't. And we have things within our present that we need to deal with. But if we could have, we already would have. And we talked about the future and the things which may not even happen. So it's obvious that things are beyond our control or we would have already fixed them. Matthew chapter 6, there in verse 34, Jesus said, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I'm not sure who said it because it didn't have a quote by it, but I'm going to use it anyway. It said, "Worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but it won't get you anywhere. You yeah. know, the only way to ever overcome our worries is to fully understand the Word of God. See, God doesn't just frown on us worrying. God forbids us to worry. Yes, Two people over here got it. I said, God doesn't just frown on us worrying. God forbids us to worry. It is against the will of God for you and I to worry, So I want to look at four things here in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus deals with worrying. But I want to do something real quick before I do. I want everybody in this place to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to ask God to give you something just for you. It's okay to go into the throne room. It's good to go into the throne room on behalf of others. You may be thinking of somebody else right now and their situation and what they need or a marriage that needs help or a sickness that needs help or, or a family that needs help. We'll pray for that later. Right now, I want you to say, Lord, will you please help me this morning? Will you give me something that I need today to strengthen my Christian walk? Number one, it's foolish to worry. If you would look at verse 25 and 26 there in our text, Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Verse number 26, Jesus says, Behold. It comes from a Greek word that certainly means to look at, but not just look at them with your eyes. It means to observe them. It means to gaze upon them, to clearly discern is the meaning of the word. So he says, I want you to take a look. Pay attention to them. They don't plant any crops, yet they eat every day. They don't build any barns. They don't gather into any storehouses. Yet all winter long, 365 days a year, they have a meal provided for them because their heavenly Father simply feeds them. Jesus says, observe them. Pay close attention to them. See how the Father takes good care of them. And then he asks the question, are you not much better than they? Notice that he, that he didn't just use something like the bald eagle. Matter of fact, he did say in another passage he uses the raven, but he talks about the young raven. But he could have just used some of the more majestic birds, but he didn't. He said the fowl of the earth. We think about birds like the bald eagle. It was Tuesday evening, um, Paul Hutchins and I, and actually Jonathan and Gerald, the four of us went down fishing from, I don't know, about 6.30 to, to 9 o'clock or so late that evening. And Paul and I was up there, and there's an eagle that nests up on the left side. And he got to circling around four or five times. He made like little practice swoops. And he, and he dove down, and he, and he scooped about a 12, 14-inch fish out of the water and went on and carried up off to his nest. Pretty cool sight to see. Awesome to see how that bird has certain abilities to take care of itself. But notice, God didn't talk about this great predatory bird. God didn't talk about just a bird that has talons where it can catch food and hang on to it. God didn't talk about just a bird that has a beak that is designed to to tear flesh. God even talked about the sparrow. You know, that helpless little bird that has no way to provide for itself. No no strength to take anything from anything else. No power to overcome. He can't do anything, and what he shows us is that God takes care even of the least of them. There's not one fowl of the air that the Father doesn't feed. Seville so D. Martin, 1905, she wrote a story about the robin and the sparrow. They're talking, and the robin said to the sparrow, I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. The sparrow said to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly Father which cares for them like you and me. If we truly believe that God is able to provide, if we truly believe that God is able to meet every need and He holds every situation in His hand, then it is foolish to worry. Number two, not only is it foolish, but it's it's futile. Verse number 27 There was Jesus said, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature? I've told you it doesn't just refer um, to size but to length of life. Worrying is not going to increase your size. Worrying is not going to increase your social status. It's not going to increase your standing within the community. It's not going to increase your reputation. As a matter of fact, it's not going to increase your life. It's medically proven, as we saw to open the morning's message, that it can shorten your days on earth. That it, that it can take away. I don't know that it could actually shorten them because our days are already numbered, right? Your days are already numbered, but wouldn't it be better to go in a way that the Lord has the design rather than I just have to see Him with worry and anxiety all on our plate? I know that our days are numbered. The Bible says in Psalms 139, verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous that I worked and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Our life is in God's hands. Our days are numbered before we ever lived the first one of them. So what good does it do? To worry about things that we cannot change. So one of the biggest reasons that we worry, I say we. Y'all don't mind if I just toss y'all over in my world, do it? And, and if it don't fit, that's okay. You don't have to get over in my little box. I'll be in it by myself. But I'm going to go ahead and throw a we in because it works for me. But one of the biggest reasons that we worry is because we want something to happen now. We want it fixed Now. We want the pain to go away. Now. We want more money in the bank. Now. We want the situation resolved. Now. Whatever the problem is, we want the problem fixed. Now. We want it done our way. And we want it done in our time. But God says, I have my own way. And he said, my way is higher than your way. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And what I'm working on here, you don't understand. And even if I explained it to you, you don't have the mental capacity to grasp what I'm fully doing. But I have my own way, and I'm going to do it in my own time because my way is the right way, and my time is the right time. And when it has accomplished that for which I purposed it, you will be stronger, and I will be glorified. So God's just going to stick with His way. But we get all worried about it because we want it right now psalms forty six ten. god said be still and know that i am god yes, think about this if you try to take all of your knowledge of the bible everything that you've ever heard in sunday school everything you've ever been taught everything you've ever read everything you've ever heard every song that's ever been sang you put it all together think of the one time that you find jesus in an absolute hurry to get something done Quote me the scripture the one time we said we must hurry or I'm not going to be able to do this miracle. Quote me one time we said we've got to get there now. If I don't hurry, it's going to be too late. Find one time where Jesus, God in the flesh, said we have to get there now or the time is going to pass and it's going to be too late. Find one time in the scripture where God says I've got to hurry. Psalms 130 says in verse number 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Think about that text, that watch for the morning. How many of you in here can be anxious and cause the sun to rise early? How many of you can worry about it so bad, wanting tomorrow to get here, that you can change the time of the sunrise but here's what we do know God holds the sun in his hand he holds the universe in his hand he holds all that there is in his hand he set it all in motion he set it all in orbit and everything is going to happen that way because God said it is every sunset will be followed by a sunrise every night season will be followed by a day season because God said it's going to go that way God is the one who set it on order those who wait on God are placing all of their hope in the one who is more faithful than the sunrise itself even the sunrise is controlled by the father amen Amen. so no matter how desperate the situation no matter how bad things Look, no matter how bad it seems to be and how bad we want the sun to come up early, the sun's not going to come up until the appointed time. But it will come up. Somebody else just got a breath of fresh air right there. God will rise up in your situation, but not until the appointed time. But he will rise up. Worrying has never solved. Not one single problem. It has created some problems, it has compounded some problems, but it's never solved a problem. Worrying does not fix tomorrow's problems. It simply adds to the problems of today. Worrying does not fix today's problems. It simply steals the victories that you might have otherwise had. So, worrying is foolish and worrying is futile, but I see here that worrying is also frustrating Verse number 28 says, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Look at what he tells us to consider. He says, consider how they grow. Can anyone in here explain the growth? I get it. A little seed falls to the ground. It lays on the ground for a while. It begins to germinate. It begins to sprout. It sprouts some roots downward. It goes down and begins to get water. It sprouts a trunk upward that breaks through the crust of the earth and gathers sunlight. And together, it produces a plant. The plant grows up, and it drops the seed down, which does it all, other, all over again. But can you explain that? Can you explain how that seed that falls to the ground and it lays there as though it were dead? You look at places north of here, it lays under five, six, nine, twelve, fifteen 12, 15 feet of snow. It lays there frozen in ice for the winter. You lay around here, it just lays in the dust, lays in the dirt. And and for the entire winter, it just lays there as though it's dead. But then in the spring, it all comes to life. And all begins to sprout something new. He said, consider it. Consider how they grow. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. Anybody in the wintertime, ever gone up into the mountains, and the mountains are blanketed with snow, and there's a beautiful field full of lilies protruded up through the snow. It looks like they're gone. It looks like it's dead. It looks like all hope is lost. Anybody agree? Think about it. They have no stem. They have no stalk. They have no color. They apparently have no life. It is though that, and he said consider them. Didn't he say consider them? then let's consider them for a minute. They go through a season where they are totally non-existent. They go through a season where they are invisible to life. They go through a season where there's no evidence that they were ever there. They go through that season that that you can't even tell they've ever existed. But when the snow melts and the winter goes away and everything comes, there's another season where they grow and God makes them more beautiful than even that of Solomon. The same is true of life. We're going to go through a season. We're going to go through seasons where it just seems like we're not going to make it. It seems like all hope is lost. It looks like there's no life even in us. We have no idea how we're going to come out on the other side. But springtime's coming. Yes, Lord. The sun's going to rise. He said, consider the lily. Think about this. Just one little speck of protoplasm. Microscopic. The human eye can't even see it yet it becomes a human being. Can can you explain that? The eye can't see it, but it becomes this human being with a complete circulatory system, a, a complete nervous system, a complete digestive system, a complete neurological system. It came from something that the eye couldn't even see But it is part of the eye as part of the body that it becomes. How can you explain those things? You can't. That's why he's God. Because he does that which is unexplainable. He said, consider the lilies. Consider how they grow. If you're going to consider how they grow, you've got to consider that there's a season when they don't grow. There's a season when they fade away. But there's a season when they come back you got to consider the whole growth period. There's ups and downs in their life, just like there is in ours. He says, consider how they grow. The same father that clothes them is the same father that's going to take care of you and I. So if we look at the flowers of the field, and there it stands. It's, it's tall and beautiful, springtime. And because of their beauty, we cut them off. And we bring them in the house to, to decorate the house, to make it more Beautiful, and, and we put it into a vase of water to, to try to extend the life of it. But from the moment you cut that stem, it began to die. You put it in water all you want, but it's no longer connected to the soil. It's no longer connected to the roots. It's a matter of time it's going to die. And when it does, you're going to take it and throw it in the trash. It is gone forever. Yes. It'll never be remembered again. Well, I shouldn't say will never be remembered. You might remember it. It'll never be brought back. If you look at the sparrow, if you look at the files of the air, they live their life, their life ends, they die, they're gone. They have no soul. They, they have no eternity. They have no eternal destiny. They have no eternal future. Now, if God cares so much for something that is here for such a little short window of time, how much more must he care for you? Mankind that he created in his own image, that he gave an eternal soul with an eternal destiny that will live in one or two places based on the Lord Jesus Christ. If he cares so much for a flower, you know why they call annuals annuals? They live for one year. But he arrays them more beautiful than that of Solomon. The, the bird may live five, six, eight, nine years. What is nine years? He said our life is but a vapor, and that man is three score and ten, 70 years per adventure, four scores, 80 years. What if you live to be a 100 years old? What is that next to eternity? But yet he takes this little bird, five, six, seven years old, and he says, I care so much more that I feed it every day. I never let it go hungry. I provide for it spring, summer, winter, and fall. I take care of it. How much more? Will I take care of you? Worry will never take you anywhere that you want to go. It will only lead to frustrations. Choose to focus on God, knowing that God cares for you. The fourth thing I want to look at is if you have faith in God, then show your faith by trusting Him. He said, look at the birds. Look how I care for them. Are you not of much more value than they and the flowers of the field? Are you not of much more value? Verse number 30, he says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Anybody got a King James Bible? Anybody else's Bible call you, O ye of little faith? Worry is simply a lack of faith in God's promise to take care of you. God says worry is a lack of faith to take care of His promise to care for you. Jesus says, look at him." I've said it. A lot of people have said it. I'm sure I heard it before I ever said it. And it sounds so simple, but in reality, it's so difficult. If you're going to worry, then don't bother to pray. But if you're going to pray, then don't worry. Well, I don't encourage that because worry comes natural. It's that fleshly side that we battle with in prayer. Men ought always to pray, so never cease to pray. Always keep on praying. But wouldn't it wouldn't be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if we could actually not worry? The test of our spiritual maturity isn't as much our actions as it is our reactions. If you look here at the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is based on reactions. Even the Beatitudes are based on reactions. The last of the Beatitudes in verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad. That's a reaction. He says in a Sermon on the Mount, if somebody sues you for your coat, give them your cloak also. That's a reaction. If someone asks you to go a mile with them, then go two miles. That's a reaction. He says if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other to him also. Those are reactions, not actions. Faith and worry are both reactions. You can't control the situation. But you can control your reaction to the situation Faith and worry are simply reactions to the events that happen in our lives. Amen? So if your life is truly governed by the Scripture, then you're going to be more apt to react with faith. But if your life is not governed by the Scripture, if you're not involved in daily Bible reading, if you're not involved in daily prayer, then you're going to be more apt to react with worry instead of faith. Worry is one of the most damaging aspects of our Christian life because it displays the lack of faith that we have in God. I need to say that again. Don't write that down on your worry card because we're going to get rid of it. Worry is one of the most damaging aspects of our Christian lives because it displays the lack of trust that we have in our God. Worrying accomplishes nothing. The key to not worrying is to focus everything on the Scriptures, to focus everything on the Word of God, make God our top priority in our lives. Jesus made it very simple. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day, is the evil there of Tim? Tim, come here, brother. If you don't mind, come over here to the piano. I I asked him. I want him to sing a song this morning. Y'all, y'all know I like a lot of old hymns and and old stuff. And I know a lot of you, my age and older, because I'm so young and all like I am. Um, you know a lot of the old hymns. There was a gentleman named Charles Tenley. He was a black preacher. Incredible preacher, a lot, of, a lot of great wisdom from some of his things. But he also wrote a lot of the old hymns, a lot of the old songs that we used to sing. And one of them is called Leave It There. I did learn from talking with Tim that I listened to a little more upbeat of it. I grew up in a different kind of church, apparently. I have a little more upbeat version of it. But I've asked him to sing this song, but I, I want to make this as simple as I can this morning before he sings the song. Do you have anything that you need God to take care of? Do you have anything that's keeping you awake at night? Do you have anything that you're thinking of before you can go to sleep? Anything that wakes you up in the morning? Anything that's consuming your thoughts? Do you have any problem? I mean, I don't know. It it could be anything. It may be your children or it may be your parents. You know how those parents are, right? It may be your marriage, it may be your mortgage, it may be your family, it may be your finances. I, I don't know what you're dealing with, but is there anything in your life, is there anything that you put on your paper that you need God to take care of? Let me ask you this one. I'm quite positive somebody in here didn't write yours down because you're afraid the person beside you would see it. There's some of you in here that's got some things that's worrying you that you don't even want anybody to know about. And for that reason you wouldn't even put it down. That's okay. Cover it up and write it down. I want you to put everything on there that you can. Because I want us to ask God to take care of these things this morning. See, the, the only reason that that, that I that I even even preach and pray and, and seek, God, what, what do you have is it, is simple. It's because I love you. And I just just I wish I could help you. I wish I could take your burdens. I wish I could make them go away. I wish I could do more than just pray and say, God, take care of it. I wish I could do something. But God loves you way more than I ever can. God loves you more than I could ever even begin to imagine. And God can do something about it. God will do something about it. He may not take care of it right now but he may give you the courage to wait. He may not make the situation go away right now, but he may give you the wisdom to see what he's doing. He may give you the knowledge to see that he's accomplishing something great in your life. There's no telling what God's up to, but he's up to something or it wouldn't be happening. So here's what I want to do. I didn't give you the title of the message to start with, because the message is titled after the song. The name of the song is, Leave it there. So I want you this morning to take whatever you've got. If you need to write more down, write it down. But I want you to bring it to this altar, and I want you to leave it there. I brought the shredder for a reason. Don't take the garbage home with you. I started to tell you just leave it on the altar. But I know some of you wouldn't because you'd be worried that somebody else would pick it up and read it. So I want everybody to come by here so you don't have to worry about anybody reading your stuff. You don't have to worry about anybody but you and God knowing what it is. When you get through praying over it, when you get through giving it to God, you stick it in this shredder on your way out. You take your stuff home if you want to. You take your worries home if you want to. You take your garbage and the things that are holding you back if you want to. Take all the problems of life and all the ties and everything that's binding you. Take it home with you if you want to. But God said, I'm the one that can take care of it. I'm the one that can fix it. I'm the one that can heal it. I'm the one that can mend the brokenness. I'm the one that can repair the brokenhearted. I'm the one that can take care of the finances. I own the cattle of a thousand hills. I'm the one that can mend your marriage. I created the first one in the garden, and I got them through one of the greatest sins that ever happened. I'm the one that can meet your needs. So you can take it home if you want to, but there's no reason to. God says, bring your problems to me and I'll take care of them. I'm your source. I'm your strength. I'm the one. Go ahead and sing that song, brother. If
1: the world from you withhold Of its silver and its gold And you have to get along with me, girlfriend just remember in his word how he feeds the little birds. Take your bird. body suffers pain, and your health you can't regain, and your soul is almost sinking in despair. Jesus knows the pain you feel, he can save and he can heal. Take your birth to never doubt he Turn it to the Lord and leave it there. in despair Jesus knows the pain is- We will soon
0: above all that you can ask or even think he's greater than your greatest problem don't let the devil cause you to worry don't, don't let the devil steal your joy, don't let him defeat your life don't let the devil cause the world to see him in you by worrying because that says that we doubt God's ability to take care of whatever we're facing our prayer is God help us that people would see Christ in us and they see Christ in us when we overcome our fears when we live a victorious life in spite of the problems we're going to go through problems be victorious in spite of them amen God thank you so much God, that we can be called your people, God. Thank you for the people of Faith Baptist Church, God. I pray will you bless each and every one of them, God. I pray right now would you anoint them. I pray you touch their life, God. I pray you take every one of these burdens, God. I pray you'd shred it, Lord, physically, just like this, this paper shredder did, God. I pray you'd take the worries from them. I pray that you would re- give them the resolve, give them the answers, give them the things that they need, God. I pray you'd give us strength, Father. I pray you'd anoint their families, their homes, their lives, their finances, everything, God. I pray you'd put a hedge of protection around them, everything that the devil wants to take away, everything that the enemy wants to destroy. God, I pray you put a hedge about your people, God. I pray you protect them, Lord. I pray you go with them. I pray you go before them. Prepare the way, God. I pray you'd help us to live a victorious life in front of the enemy, God. And all the old nasty devil can do is stand there and watch. And we live in the fullness of your grace. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.